Hey y'all, my name is Amina and this is Mina's Mic. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Your presence is very much appreciated. On this podcast, I will discuss everything surrounding society and culture from my perspective as a young black woman. One of the biggest realizations that I've had on my journey of consciousness is that it's all connected, as in the earth, the universe, and most importantly, the people or the collective. And if you haven't noticed, there have been some astronomical changes taking place, things that we are all experiencing simultaneously. The collective is finally breaking away from the shackles of the society that we once knew. Now in this season, it's all a collective, we gonna get into it, so grab a cup and join a conversation, cause I'm about to spill the tea. History repeats itself. Mystery deceives itself. A biological anomaly is what it is. Everything happens for a reason, but what could be the reason for the anticipation of death, for the quarantined isolation from life, a demented departure from self, a consensus of disproportionate wealth, catering to the upper class with the persecution of the lower mass, We are in this together, oh, they humor me with their empty speech. Their words still like rain, like leeches still to the vein. What could be the reason for the collective's pain, for the collective dismal of the plague? Welcome or welcome back. Hello to all the new listeners. I'm so happy that y'all have resonated with my message so far. Um, I show so much gratitude to you all. Before we start, have some great... Anyway... (laughs) <laughs> we have an official social justice panel, and all the pan- panel members are also members of the Black Lives Matter Youth Council in Patterson. And y'all, they are so amazing. Literally, the first day that I joined, they all shared and reposted the podcast. Within five minutes of sharing the link with Mari, she made Instagram story posts, connected with her friends, other BLM Youth Council members, our advisors. In like 20 minutes, so many people um, visited the page and started listening. The members of this organization are so supportive and artistic. And what I really love about it is that all of us have our unique talents and interests, but the core of it all is a creative and collective effort. And that's why they're collaborating with me for this. So I go on for days about us, but I'm not going to take up too much time. So we're going to get into it. And by it, I mean everything. Um, So Layla, how you been doing? How you so I just want to start by saying I'm so happy to be a part of your podcast. I think it's great you've given out like a community, a safe space to talk about necessary issues as a way to combat them as a collective whole. Because, you know, it really is us doing the work. Like we have to take care of each other. And like as humans, we go through so much mentally, physically, spiritually, environmentally. So it's just nice to be here using your podcast as an outlet to just be, you know, um, I feel like. I can't wait to speak from my soul and less from my ego. So, like, in all sincerity, thank you for this. I'm so, you know, blessed to be here. Um, I'm doing good. I'm currently still in quarantine from COVID. Friday makes 14 days, so hopefully all will be well. But all in all, lately, I've been feeling more blessed than ever, just grateful to be here living and breathing and really just appreciating life as we know it. Yes, we love that. Thank you. And I know how you feel because in November, like late November, early December, my family had also got COVID and like I wasn't personally so like, you know, sick and under the weather, but they were. So I literally saw it firsthand. Um, So, yeah, I know exactly what you're feeling right now. But yeah, get into that. How you feel about Rona? Like how you feel about how 2020 (laughs) met? How do you feel now? Girl, girl. So like, 
Well, just in general, COVID is so exhausting. Like, it's impacted us in every way, like, in life. And I know, like, many people have had COVID and they've shared their experiences with me. But I think it's just, like, a lot different when it becomes your own experience. So, like, the first thing that I had experienced with COVID, I had a dry cough at first. And then um, I ended up taking my test. And as soon as I turned positive and I got the positive, the test results back, it's, like, from then, everything just kind of went downhill, like, the thing with COVID is there are so many symptoms, and although people like to refer it to the flu because they're similar in the same sense that they're contagious respiratory illnesses that affect our lungs and breathing, COVID has, like, long-term damages to the lungs, the heart, the kidneys, and even the brain. And many people who have had COVID, including myself, experience, like, loss of taste and smell, which some people still have yet to get back. Thankfully, I have only experienced that for, like, three days, and it my my, my sense and my taste came back. Um but, like, this is the thing that people don't like to talk about, that, like, the mental effects that COVID has on you. And it's not to say that COVID is worse than the flu because hundreds of thousands of people die yearly from the flu worldwide. But COVID spreads easier. And keep in mind, it's new. There, these are, This is something that, you know, doctors are still learning themselves. But for sure, like, one thing I would like to talk about are the mental health issues you go through when having COVID. Because we've seen in March so many people dying from this virus. And, like, we all probably know someone who knows someone who ended up in the hospital. But for me, like... The overwhelming anxiety really took over when I got that test result back positive. Like, I was a hot mess. Every day I was experiencing a new symptom. I said the first day I experienced dry cough. Then I hit high fevers, like 104, 105. Then a sore throat, vomiting, fatigue, coughing, runny nose. I had severe headaches, um, shortness of breath. That kind of, I'm still experiencing the shortness of breath now. And that's kind of how I know it's still in my system. But, like, as the days went by, these symptoms were just piling on top of each other. And I couldn't help but think, like, what symptoms would I experience tomorrow? Like, would I be in the hospital? Would I be in a ventilator? I know it sounds dramatic, but, like, these are the things people with anxiety think of when we're looking at the news. And, like, the stigma is that if you have COVID, you won't know how your body will react until having it. And, like, for me, I thought my body was giving up on me. <laughs> like, I went to the hospital the fourth day of me having COVID because my mom is a nurse. And... She works at Pascac, and I remember I literally called her like, "Mom, my lungs are giving up on me. I cannot breathe. I'm hysterically crying." My mom's a nurse, so she's very frantic about COVID in general. So when she heard that, my um, stepfather ended up driving me to the hospital, and I'm like hysterically crying to the doctor. The doctor's telling me I'm okay. This is what anxiety is, people. The doctor's telling me I'm okay, and I'm literally screaming at the doctor, telling the doctor to check me that I'm not okay. My mom's like, calm down, Lily. You're okay. You're okay. I'm like, I'm not okay. Something's wrong with me. But like, this is because, you know, the news, like I blame this on the news because they installed fear on us instead of helping us spread awareness, like effectively. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, it de definitely does have, you know, a lot of mental and emotional effects, you know. Um, but like I said, with me, um, I had like, yeah, like you said, like a little bit of a cough. It yes. almost felt like a cold. But mm -hmm. even with seeing like your entire household and entire family, like also experiencing, you know, that anxiety, that panic, like, am I going to die tomorrow? Um, yes. Am I going to get my, you know, sense of taste or smell back? So that was kind of nerve wracking just watching them and like yeah with getting that positive test result it was like um so what do I do now like how am I supposed to fix this and I was seeing a lot of things on social media about you know people who went in the hospital for COVID and just didn't leave 
Um, yeah. Some nurses were even, you know, on TikTok crying about how they were killing people. I'm not saying that that is a, you know, 100% fact, but just seeing that, you know, the hospitals were so overwhelmed to the point where they needed to take, you know, medical students who didn't even graduate yet just for, you know, extra staff, extra people just to work. And again, like you said, like this is really unpredictable and you know, they're still in, you know, the experimentation process. They don't really understand the disease to the fullest extent that they could. So, yeah, it was like a really high death rate and a lot of people were grieving. And, you know, like, but personally speaking, um, I'm so over it. But yeah. at the same time, you know, we have to continue to reflect on it because like people always say everything happens for a reason. And being that Corona has caused so many people to die and caused so many people to be feeling lost and forgotten. You know, people were forced to be separated from their families, lost their jobs, like literally all the above. The collective was and still is grieving the death of our collapsing society. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on. But I want to start with just going back to um, January 2020. And it seems like forever ago, but like yeah how what do you remember from that time how old were you um what was going on in your life had you heard about rona and if so what did you hear and what was your reaction um but yeah and anyone in the chat you guys can also answer these questions as well and i'll get to you after layla so i remember like constantly seeing covid on the news like in china and I was just thinking, like, I remember vividly, like, looking at it and, like, reading it and thinking, like, wow, like, we can't relate. <laughs> like, I mean, we think China is so far and we're untouched when things like diseases and viruses break out in different countries. But then our first case in Washington state broke out and all of a sudden this virus was in our country spreading through our states. You know, like, we, it hit Florida, um, I think Washington and Florida, then California. And then, like, soon after it was Jersey. And, you know, what seemed so far away months ago now was here. I was 20 at the time in college and working at my family's smoke shop and at another restaurant called El Roche. Um, and I was consumed in my own life, which kind of sounds selfish. And in a way, I think as humans living in a capitalist system, we're just programmed to just get by, to just live, to work. And in reality, like all of our stress comes from capitalism. And so like, you know, when I think of back then, I didn't think it would really hit us or take a toll on us because, you know, in my head, as vulnerable as it sounds, like I'm not where I'm at today. And I'm thinking like, you know, our president and our elected officials that we have voted in, you know, the people who voted these people in would take care of it. And, you know, it doesn't seem like, you know, obviously that happened. And it, of course it didn't. And I just feel like as capitalism goes I kind of wanted to touch base on capitalism because I think that has such a toll on COVID um like in reality all of our stress comes from capitalism like we stress about school and we go to school but not really to get an education because most of us self-learn outside of school and you know everything that we are taught in school we have to unlearn because most of it isn't even real to begin with and we go to school because the system says our degrees weighs a lot but that comes at the price of paying for it and being in debt by it. And then when we graduate, we become stressed by our jobs, by bills, by housing, all the things that the government benefits off of while we die for, you know, and our mental health could barely grasp our own bodies, let alone this virus. And this is a system designed on organized theft. So capitalism, it's unstable, it's unequal, and it's fundamentally unethical. Slavery did it with masters and slaves. Feudalism did it with lords and serfs. And capitalism does it with employers and employees. Like, they continue yes. 
They continuously manage to steal our work and then give off work hard vibes. Like how harder can we work? We've been exploited since the womb. And this is why we purposely, they purposely choose not to teach us economics at school, to keep us at the bottom as machines who just work. And we're so wrapped up in just getting by. Like, I just remember it being on my conscience, but not being so absorbed in it. Not until quarantine happened. That's when things really started to feel real. But I feel like as far as like COVID hitting China, we were we're also programmed to just work, 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 work that we could barely see outside of like our own bodies, let alone like this virus so far away, you know. But it was definitely like a humbling feeling once it hit us. Like nothing felt more humbling than like, okay, like this actually doesn't matter. Like going to work and going to school, it does not matter. Like I can really die tomorrow. And I think that's like basically what COVID actually taught me that it's like, Layla, you work so hard. You work more than like 15 hours a day. Like take a breather because at the end of the day, you're working for somebody else. You're not even happy. You're not even happy. <laughs> yes. And it really took, you know, being on, being put in quarantine um, and physically separated from these institutions that, you know, oppress us to actually take a step back and realize, like, what am I doing this for? And for me, I remember going to school and being, like, stressed out. And I feel like at that point last year, I was just trying to, you know, get my life together and maintain my sanity. Um, I was just, you know, really stressed about school. Like I said, I was only 15 and a sophomore in high school, and I had just really started getting into politics. Um, I was still trying to solidify my personal convictions and all that good stuff. And I was just, you know, really busy. Um, I did hear a few things about the new germ, but I wasn't really paying attention to it because like, why would I, you know, that sounds like really horrible, but um, and it is, but why would I be pressed about something when everyone else around me wasn't and nobody mm-hmm. around me, you know, was ex- like stressed about it because our president at the time, the ignorant supremacist, you know, also referred to as Donald J. Trump acted like everything was cool. And now um, this is the real reason why I'm upset. And it's because he had he took the necessary um, precautions in the beginning of 2020, you know, it wouldn't have went the way that it did. And Trump first found out about COVID-19 in late 2019. So in other words, he been new. So what you think about that? Knowing that our president knew, you know, about the coronavirus and that he had, you know, all the access to inform the public and start, you know, mask mandates early and things of that nature, but didn't. Like, how do you Bro, um, well, Trump was also becoming the third president in U.S. history to be impeached. So <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> like, I honestly didn't expect anything else of him. But like, all seriousness, if we look at South Korea and the drastic measures they took to, you know, preventing this virus from spreading, they did things we did not. And I feel like Trump has repeatedly said so many times on audio, we have one person coming in from China. It's totally controlled. Do not worry. And, you know, Bush, Bush's administration created the three, 381 outbreak response plan that President Obama used to fight Ebola and then expanded it. So he had all the resources to sustain us, to help us out. And he chose to ignore it. And South Korea started quarantining people right away, which resulted in them being able to keep restaurants and shopping malls open throughout the spring. Whereas us, we went, I think, how, how many months was it that we ended up being quarantined? The Trump administration pushed back all of these ideas from the U.S. police task, I mean, police, you know, public task force who has, you know, these top experts, these top health experts who are telling Trump, like, listen, listen to us. And he kept deciding to push that back. 
they wanted medical equipment for testing. They wanted more money funded in for health. They wanted a quarantine strategy. And these are the things that he, our president of the United States, decided to neglect. So there was no guidance from the White House. In fact, I think he went on vacation in January. So Trump, like he downplayed the virus. He still is downplaying it from the very beginning. And I think that's where all these anti-mask, anti-social distancing people come from. Because he was more interested in the travel ban, making sure no one from China was coming in. But I bet the people that were in America who, I bet there were people in America who would have wished to not have been here, to not have been here during this time, to been in a whole different country who was, who were handling it a lot better. And I just feel like people have lost their lives, their grandmothers, their grandfathers, because there weren't enough ventilators, because there weren't enough resources. And, you know, people, even with the virus, felt like they had to go to work. So we see the power Trump has to compel white supremacists and not, and not caring, and him not caring resulted in so many deaths that, you know, we still are dealing with today. And I just feel like as far as like him doing what he should have done, he shouldn't have just been impeached. I feel like Trump deserves to go to jail, like straight up, just jail. Literally, the- but the thing is, like, he wasn't even actually impeached because. Yeah, he well, wasn't. Yeah. And the thing he's been put up for impeachment, like, like you said, like. I think two or three times now and they still didn't actually find him guilty. And on top of that, I believe like in January, like we were talking about, um, they decided not to bring in any evidence or something Like, how do you not bring in any evidence into a trial? Like that makes no sense. And you know, if y'all are wondering how Obama knew, um, what to do during a pandemic is because we had a SARS pandemic in 2012 and if we really want to be technical, though, the SARS pandemic first started in the early 2000s, like 2000, 2003. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole year before I was born. So the coronavirus is just another ver- variation of SARS, meaning that we've been surviving the SARS pandemic for more than a decade before the coronavirus even came into play. And to be fair, though, like um, you were saying before, Rona is a lot more unpredictable than SARS. And it obviously spreads a lot faster. And we didn't exactly know how to treat it at the time. But in spite of all that, um, it wouldn't have had as much of an impact as it did, or, and it wouldn't have infected us as quickly as it did had Trump simply opened the book, informed the public, and started creating mass mandates early. And this is my opinion. And um, Balayla, what's your position about knowing that Trump could have done? Oh, you already answered that. Um, and I, I feel like too, like as far as like Trump goes, like where is the money to funding our health? Like, where is that at? Because when COVID happened and COVID hit, why were people dying? Because there were not enough ventilators. Like, what is, right. like, and- America is great. Who are you great for? Because it's not for us. It's not the working class. Because if so, you know, like, my mom works as a nurse, so she has, like, stories, like, hands-on of, like, patients who they had to decide, okay, this patient's gonna die anyways, and this patient is more likely to live. And it's like, we're giving, you know, choices mm-hmm. To people who are humans, you know, like they're not God to pick and choose who they're going to give a ventilator for. Like we have the money, you know what I'm saying? And it's like they choose and it just goes. It's like just so mind blowing how like they choose who it goes to. They choose where this money goes to because it's like they got the money to fund, pol- to fund police yearly millions of dollars. But you don't got money to fund the healthcare system. Really? 
literally. <laughs> and, you know, with Biden being president for, what, a few months now, we've had more um, relief packages than we did under Trump's administration. He was there, like, that entire year. And, you know, that just goes to show how selfish he is. And his, like, little supporters or whatever, they follow him like minions. And had he just told them, like, you know, this is dangerous, I feel like a lot of us wouldn't have been getting sick because since he told them, oh, you don't need to wear masks, you know, this is fake, or, like, um, Mario saying in the chat, like, this is the Chinese virus, whatever the case was, had he just told them, you know, to be safe, they would have listened, and a lot of people wouldn't have, you know, been getting sick, like you said, and... Mm -hmm you know, nurses and doctors wouldn't have been as overwhelmed as they were. They wouldn't have had to choose between this patient and that patient. And because America has the biggest economy, because we're supposedly the greatest country in the world, why didn't we have the resources to take care of our own people at least? Even if you couldn't aid other countries, you could have at least helped our people, but you didn't because you were being ignorant, because you were neglecting the situation, because you chose like, oh, well, like it doesn't matter. It's not helping my pocket. So it's not like I don't care anymore and that's just like again like really selfish really irresponsible um really yeah. unprofessional like it's just really sad how he did that and you know how he even thought about running again that for that election like that's and the, the fears of like trump is that his words really do matter to the public like people run with his words that's why today we see people without masks and, you know, there, there's like, I don't want to call people conspiracy theorists, but, you know, people believe that like wearing the mask could even do more dangers. And it's like, even if we have the flu, even if we have any sickness, we should put a mask on. We should put a mask on at all times because of the fact that germs spread like wildfire, you know, and it does no harm for us to wear the mask. Like the mask definitely prevents. And I feel right. like not being socially aware of other people like just because somebody might be asymptomatic to the covid virus doesn't mean that the next person will there's people who walk around not even knowing they have the virus and yet they're spreading it and giving it to people who are elderly who are sick who are, have diabetes all things that matter once it's time to get covid right right and like like you were saying, like just being self-aware, even if you don't care about you, like you yourself getting the virus, or even if you don't care, um, like if you live alone or whatever, you could at least wear the mask, like you said, for, for the sake of other people around you. And it really doesn't do any harm because like even before COVID, when we were like going in hospitals, they told us to put our masks on because yes. of how much disease was in there. And, you know, with that being said, that just goes to show that it is safe and that it does help. And wearing the mask is going to, like, make you get COVID any faster than you would have if you had it on. Like, you know, and it's just like a piece of cloth on your face. It's not that hard. You wear scarves in the winter. Like, why can't you just put a mask on your face? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, like, like you were saying, like, with um, the Trump supporters following him so blindly. And the thing is, like like you were saying, like, social awareness, I just feel like, like, yeah, like, Trump's word does mean a lot to people, and, but at the same time, like, they're just very ignorant, and I feel like ignorance really has, um, you know, been playing a factor with corona, like, people aren't necessarily doing their research, but you really don't have to do that much research just to know that, 
you know, this is very dangerous and that people are literally dying. And I feel like it doesn't really hit home until you have COVID yourself or until, you know, someone around you does. And seeing them, like, practically on their deathbed or just knowing that they could be gone the next day, then that really, you know, hits home. And then that's when you really realize, like, this is real. But even so, because they followed him so blindly, even with, you know, other Trump supporters dying, they just didn't care. And I just feel like that's, like, very negligent on their part, very ignorant on their part. And it's just very sad how they're putting other people's lives at stake just because they want to, just because they feel so entitled to their own opinion, just because they feel so entitled to Mm -hmm. exercising their privilege, to exercising the fact that, you know, this is a so-called free country and that they can do whatever they want. So now other people have to die because of it. And again, that's just really sad. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like people want to act so unsubconsciously and like their unsubconscious decisions really kill people. And, you know, we have people who have never been to school, who who are not doctors, who have never studied medical and yet want to give medical opinions on what they think about COVID, you know? And it's just like, it's the irony that it's like, you're calling people with a mask on stupid or like a sheep. Cause I've been called a sheep because I got my mask on, like, excuse me, <laughs> a sheep. Um, and I just yeah, think it's, it's so trendy now that it's like to be like this certain type of woke. And I feel like it's whack. Like your form of woke is whack. If you want to be woke, like get involved. Like, cause the woke you got right now are killing people. Like that's not woke. That's stupidity. It's the right. Hu- right. Everyone is chasing, you know, the, just the, the ability to say, oh yeah, I know more than you and y'all are sheep. And they think that their individuality is, you know, liberating. Like I was saying in the first episode, you think Mm -hmm. that you yourself doing something against what everyone else is doing is setting you apart from other people. And you think that that is, you know, liberating you. But the truth is that, like I said before, if everyone around you isn't free, you will never be free because freedom means nothing when you're alone. Freedom, you're not actually free until everyone around you is free we can't be free from this virus until we wear our mask until we recognize how dangerous this is until we take the necessary precautions to prevent people from dying and you know they say like oh well COVID has well a 97 percent 99 percent survival rate well that doesn't matter because we all saw millions of people dying last year and even this year like that's just so sad the vaccine uh you know the vaccine see i'm kind of cautious about that you know like um i don't know if you guys were seeing the videos of johnson johnson vaccine or people taking it um like it's one thing you know like i said to wear your mask you know wash your hands use hand sanitizer um and yes vaccines do you know help with the spread of viruses and things of that nature of course i've taken vaccines before i'm not an anti-vaxxer you know as a whole but because this is still an experimentation i just personally don't trust it and again you know the johnson and johnson vaccine is like a perfect example of why and there was also an article talking about um teens who are getting heart inflammation after taking the vaccine it has a lot of additional effects that they're not telling us and that's you know why i'm not so sure about taking it this year maybe another time you know Mm -hmm. after you know, more people have taken it, more young people have taken it, and they have more data on it, and they're more sure about its effectiveness. Um, But yeah, so far, I'm not really sure about the vaccine thing. Um, But if you choose to, then go ahead, like, you shouldn't be hesitant. Um, But I am being that I am, you know, a black person being that America has the 
especially the health system, hasn't really made me feel safe. And, you know, with everything that happened in 2020, I think that just goes to show how, you know, little America cares about us. And I can't just, you know, so blindly just go and take a shot that I don't necessarily know, you know, what's in it. Of course, there's, there are articles telling us and things of that nature. But again, it's still an experimentation. I don't fully know the effect. So, yeah. And I, I comes to like the vaccine, I was very like on the fence about taking the vaccine just because like, whenever you take any vaccine, no matter how long they've been developed and established for, you're always going to reap like some repercussions of it, whether it's like you not feeling good or like you actually like getting like a sickness from it, like a long term sickness. So I was on the fence about it also. But if I were to go back and choose to get it, oh, my God, I would definitely get it because all the symptoms, I'm telling you, this was so much more different than the flu. This felt like I was dying on my on the inside. It felt like my body was giving out on me. So, like, if I could go back and choose to get it just so I won't get sick. And, like, another thing that I'm experiencing is, like, the shortness of breath. And, like, I hope this isn't something that stays forever or, like, you know, has a long-term effect on me. Because, you know, I'm not, I'm so young. I'm not trying to get, like, this shortness of breath where I feel like I got, a like, some old lady, you know. Right. But I definitely understand people who do not want to get vaccinated and i feel like it's weird like the late the labeling because like you know if somebody says they're on the fence about getting vaccinated it's like oh my god you're an anti-vaxxer and it's like no i'm allowed to have my suspicions like especially when it's coming from like the same government we don't even trust to begin with like you know and i feel like us just labeling things just makes it a lot more like difficult because you're allowed to be suspicious about things and especially you as a black woman you're gonna be on the fence about it and nobody should even criticize that alone especially like all of the um the research that says you know the J- the johnson and johnson vaccine like my grandma had taken that vaccine and then two days after that's when they found like the blood clotting in women and a lot of women were dying and things like that so for sure i think that i personally like I said I would go back and take it, but for people who want to wait and just wait for more database, I definitely agree with that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think that, you know, as long as like we're all just taking our precautions, like if you're not going to get vaccinated, okay, that's fine. Just don't be up in the next person's face, you know? And I feel like that's something that everybody should, should just practice even without the, the COVID. Right. I totally agree. So someone wants to join. So, um, this was supposed to be, you know, just, um, you know, a conversation between the both of us. But I think they have something to say about the vaccine. So I'm going to let them join. Yes. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's your name? My name's Hamad. Okay, how you doing? Um, which I'm one? Doing well, I mean, it's this whole thing with the vaccine. There's a lot of people are afraid of it, but... They're saying, what are the side effects? What's going to happen? We don't have any, you know, this hasn't been out long enough. But a lot of it's based off misconceptions. Mm. One of the big things with the, a vaccine is a typical vaccine used to be just a weakened version of the virus. And it's, uh, it has some other fluids in there to help be absorbed. Some of it was glucose. So that used to be an issue with people that were diabetic. But now this this new virus or vaccine, sorry, from Pfizer, Moderna, it's an mRNA. What it is, it basically has a protein that sort of simulates the same reaction from your body as, sorry, not doesn't simulate the same reaction, but it appears. Yeah, it's supposed to like help you develop the white blood cells to combat the disease when you do come in contact with the actual version. I have done my research. I have, you know, looked into it. 
Um, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, because there are, you know, a lot of conservatives or Trump supporters that are saying, oh, well, this is, you know, the devil or the government mm-hmm. is trying to infect you or whatever the case may yeah. be. And that's not my mindset. Um, but personally, like even with the Tuskegee experiments, when they were telling black people that they were, you know, again, giving the vaccinations when they actually injected them with syphilis and, um, you know, didn't give them any treatment for it for the purpose of, you know, experimenting and seeing what would happen if, you know, someone has syphilis and goes untreated. But, you know, not even just that, but again, the way that 2020 went, the way that America has gone for the past, you know, 400 years, I just can't so blindly just go and be like, okay, I'm just going to get the vaccine and I'm just going to trust that this is going to do what they said it's going to do. And, you know, the whole purpose of the vaccine is to develop the white blood cells to, you know, combat the disease. But being that I already got COVID in um, November of last year, I already have the white blood cells to do that. So in a sense, I feel as though I don't need it right now. Um, Might this be, you know, next year and my institution says, oh, well, you cannot come here if you don't have the vaccine. Maybe then I'll take it. And even then, I'm still going to be very choosy about which one I get. Um... One of my teachers said that she got the Pfizer vaccine and she was like really sick after it. Someone in the chat also said that they got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and they were like really sick after it. Um, I heard that the Moderna is okay. I think my cousin got the Moderna. He's been fine. So I don't really know. But yeah, personally, I just don't feel safe. And that's why I choose, you know, not to get the vaccine. But other people, you know, I'm not telling you guys not to do. I'm not telling you guys not to fully trust it because at the end of the day, you're all entitled to your own opinions. But this is just, oh, excuse me. This is just me and, you know, my own personal convictions and what I know and what I feel is right for me. So that's just what I'm going to do. But Yeah, of, of course, there's like a, a lot of different reasons not to. I was just kind of targeting some of the big things a lot of people say. I know one of the things you said is, oh, you get the Pfizer vaccine and you're sick. But that's that's actually a good thing. When you get sick, what that means is your immune system is fighting what's in your body that's not supposed to be there. And that causes these other symptoms that helps it fight it. One of the things is it raises your body temperature. Uh, a lot of foreign bodies can't withstand that temperature in your body. And people will take, you know, they'll take a Tylenol to cool themselves down, bring their uh, fever down. But that's actually sort of a bad thing. It's kind of counteracting what your body naturally does to fight off diseases. And so when you get the vaccine and you get sick, this is really your body. That's your body's uh, defense system. It means it's triggered. It's fighting. And it's a good sign that it's actually doing what it's supposed to do. And what you can assume from that is that it's learning how to fight it for the next time. If you don't get sick, odds are either the vaccine wasn't enough to trigger something in your body to learn what it is or something along that lines. And another thing is, you know, a lot of institutions, they already, we already know they're going to require Sooner or later, they're going to require everyone to be vaccinated, especially like colleges, schools, military, um, public workers, like teachers. You know, we already have, you know, I think since I was a child, just to go into public school, I need to go with hepatitis, need to get the the MMR for mumps, measles, and something else. Uh, You know, and even when you're traveling. That's going to be a big thing, probably. We're going to have to be required by many state uh, countries to be vaccinated. It's going to be on the list of things you need to be vaccinated for. Because a lot of countries, when you go there, they don't have the same diseases, but this one's been global. And a global one, they're definitely going to want to keep it suppressed as much as they can. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, 
and yeah, even with regular vaccines like the flu vaccine or um, you know, things of that nature, you do get sick. So I think that was a really good point that you brought up. Um, that if you do get sick after a vaccine, that means that it's doing what it was supposed to do. Um, I think that was like a really common misconception among people, like even myself when I just said, you know, people are getting the Pfizer vaccine and they're getting really sick. So thank you for bringing that up. But speaking about, you know, the worldwide effects of the coronavirus, um, you know, the whole purpose of this episode was really to emphasize the fact that, you know, the corona has affected all of humanity and all of us are experiencing these things simultaneously. So you know, um, with that being said, how do you guys, how, Layla, how do you feel about, you know, just knowing that we're all experiencing this together and just knowing that because of Corona, because of being quarantined, we were forced to really analyze, you know, um, these institutions to really sit back and look at the bigger picture and look at how much we were being oppressed, look at how much we were just being controlled and how much, you know, capitalism has forced us to just, you know, go with the flow. We're thinking that, you know, struggle is just the way of life, that this is just how things are. How do you feel like knowing that Corona has triggered that almost awakening within you or within, you know, the collective as a whole? So I feel like when I think of COVID, like I really do bring it back to systemic racism because, you know, like the things that they talk about COVID is like, oh, if you get COVID and you're unhealthy, like those are more of the chances of you being hospitalized or you getting really, really sick. But why is it that we're waiting until we're really, really not healthy in our bodies to talk about an issue? Like food can really heal us. And if they really want to create healthy environments, they should teach us that food can heal us. Why does a bottle of water cost more than a soda? Like why are there more liquor stores in the hood than, you know, more healthy food stores, like more Whole Foods, more Quick Checks? Even just a Quick Check is something as simple as that. Right. So the choice to starve off the higher rates of, you know, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular diseases, underlying health conditions make COVID more lethal. And, you know, that frequently impacts Black, Native, and Latina communities. And, you know, this virus can also be understood as a structural disaster. Like, that is, like, the current pandemic showed the ways that structural racism and white supremacy have created and continue to create conditions that disproportionately and desperately impact us. And especially those who also experience high levels of poverty, like black and Latino people are three times more likely to contract the virus in comparison to white people and twice as likely to die as a result of that virus. So, you know, native and indigenous people are also experiencing disparities related to these current to this current pandemic being far more likely to become infected than white people. Like that's a huge issue that, you know, people aren't talking about. And I feel like, you know, if, and when we talk about the inequalities and in the access to healthcare, nutritious food, safe housing, and income to support basic needs, um, you know, we can maybe even bring down these numbers. Right. I definitely agree. And, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, healthy food being more expensive is because, you know, the junk, it literally is just junk. So it costs a lot less for them to create these, you know, foods and items or whatever the case may be. And, and they the- do put these in like lower income areas to make sure that we don't have access to higher quality food so that we don't have access to the things that will actually take care of us and yeah. to make us, you know, more reliant on pharmaceuticals, to make us more reliant on doctors. They get more money from that um 
going back to the high blood pressure, um, diet, type 2 diabetes, all of that, they get a lot of money from having to prescribe us insulin, from having to see yeah. us, you know, every month at doctor's visits. So it's all, it's literally all a collective system. It's all, you know, a part of a greater scheme. And, you know, even like, taking it from like a spiritual standpoint, you know, food really does impact, you know, um, your mind, it really does impact your emotions and your feelings. So like, with that being said, if you like, ingest junk into your body, you are going to feel like crap, you're going to feel like trash, you're going to, you know, be caught in that subconscious loop. And you're not going to, you know, want to do better for yourself, you're not going to be able to, you know, break away from your depression, your anxiety, or whether whatever the case may be, you're not gonna be able to really take care of yourself the way that you could, had you be eating, you know, healthy foods that will, you know, give you more energy, make you feel more happy, make you feel, you know, more alive. So yeah, it's really, you know, a collective system. And I was gonna say too, like, that's the thing, like, when it comes to these foods that are being so processed, like, that takes work, it takes more work to process food than it is to actually, like, pick these, like, these good nutritious foods from the ground. Like, it takes a lot more work to make a burger than it is to pick raspberries or to pick, um, to grow just any, just anything from the ground. And I feel like, you know, that has a lot to do with poverty. And if we are not eating correctly, we're not thinking correctly. And I think that the whole idea of this is if we're not healing with food and we're not healing our bodies, then this same rotation, the same cycle of us being oppressed is going to keep happening because of the fact that we're not even where our brains are so clouded, you know, food really impacts the way we think. And so, you know, when we look at the pandemic, the coronavirus, so many people from my my friends, so many people, my friends who grew up in Patterson, like they were outside during the pandemic, like they didn't know any better, you know, like, as many times as I told them, like, listen, like, you got moms, you got dads who are older, like, stay home, like, they thought it was cool to be outside, like, who's informing them, who's educating them. And I think that that's a whole nother issue, too, because we have other people on the right side, you know, conservatives who they're purposely not going outside. They're purposely going outside because they think that they're not going to harm anybody. They think that what they're doing is okay. But then we have people from the hood who are outside because they don't understand the depths of this virus. And so it just goes to show along with the food, that's why I'm bringing up the food too, that this unconscious thinking is really a disease too. This thinking, this these programs that, you know, since birth that we are grown up in and, and living in really affects who we are and who we become and our health and our body and any diseases that we end up forming is all because of the system. It all goes back to communism. I mean, communism, well, communism is the goal, but it all goes back to capitalism. Literally. And again, you know, like you were saying with being educated, had our president, you know, informed us or properly, you know, gave us the facts from in the beginning, you know, a lot more people would understand what to do, what not to do. They would yep. really understand and the depth of the situation but even me like a lot of the information that you know I did learn or that I do have it all came from just hearing firsthand accounts from you know seeing these videos on TikTok because at the end of the day they're not teaching us this in school they're not teaching us you know this on the news when they do talk about corona they're you know they're talking about random unnecessary stuff and it's just really sad how we have to go for the small people that are, you know, educated about these things, they did their own research and they, like I said, you know, found things for themselves. We should be able to, you know, just have, we should be accept, 
we should have access to this information. It should be accessible to everyone and not just, you know, people who seek it themselves. But at the same time, you know, um, to be conscious, you have to do that on your own. So even like, you know, with this episode, with talking to you guys, with talking to you, Layla, it has been, you know, very enlightening. And I thank you all for joining. Um, but to conclude, you know, everything that has been previously stated, we're going to get, you know, we're going to go down the line. So Corona started in 2019. It became a global issue February, March of 2020. Um, this is when everyone was in a panic. You know, people started dying. The disease was spreading quickly. The underlying pent up emotions that, you know, were being suppressed in the U.S. were finally coming to a surface. Corona wasn't just a biological attack. It was attack on our society. And to be clear, I'm not insinuating that this was planned or anything thing but i just had to use that word because that's simply what it is and you know nothing has been the same and there is no more going back to normal there is no more normal anymore however because people's loved ones were dying because the economy was dying because the system that had been so successful before was dying the mass majority of people the collective began to come to a common awareness of just how screwed we were um you know we're finally expressing this and like even here, we're finally expressing that we don't want to work for the rest of our lives, that we're expressing the fact that we're not happy with our minimum wage jobs, that we're not happy with living paycheck to paycheck. We're not happy with our politicians. We're not happy with our educational system. We're not happy with social injustice. We're not happy with how prominent microaggressions are in the workplace. We're not happy with our employer-employee, a.k.a. massive slave relationships, like you were saying before. Because of corona, the collective is finally, you know, solidifying their own personal convictions, much like Layla and I have. And we are finding our soul tribes, our people. With consciousness comes freedom. With coronavirus comes death. With death comes rebirth, the rebirth of a new, equal, balanced life for all. And as leftists, you know, we always say, oh, America has to be broken down all the way and rebuilt again. And that's exactly what's happening now. And whether you want to admit it or not. 2020 was the beginning of a new day. Either you join the revolution or you get left behind. So pick your side and why, because it's all a collective. So, yeah, do you have any last sentiments before we? Um, I just, yeah, I want to just say, like, I really do appreciate you doing this. You are so young and you have so much, so much in store. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to have crossed paths with you. And nothing feels more enlightened than talking about this, than really like breaking it down and dissecting the issues at, at hand. And, you know, I feel like a part of like being conscious is sharing it, sharing our consciousness with other people and, you know, getting them to feel alive and redefining what liberation looks to us, you know? And I feel like as far as like COVID goes, hopefully as there's a rise right now going on, a lot more people are getting COVID. Hopefully, people will do right our presidency the whole white house will do right this time around since they didn't do right last time and we'll do this um quarantine a lot quicker like maybe tomorrow we should do quarantine <laughs> but yeah seriously i hope that you know the precautions are taken very seriously this time because we do not want to go through the what we went through last year I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. And thank you for being here. You know, um, I really, before I was really, you know, trying just to find people to have, you know, open and honest conversations like this with. And again, sharing our consciousness is really, you know, the key to this. It, 
um, having a, you know, collective and a conscious effort is really the key to liberation. It's the key to liberation for all of us. And Kenya said in the chat, um, Corona allowed many people to see how horrible our government and systems in it are. And that's so true. And, you know, like, I'm only 16, but at the end of the day, because of Corona, like, everything happens for a reason because of this i came to you know that realization that you know there is work to be done and so that's what i'm trying to do with this podcast just trying you know spread you know love like you know um educate people bring people together so thank you guys so much for coming um definitely you're welcome we're definitely going to do this again um on monday so join us for mental illness it's all a collective i'm gonna see y'all next time bye That is the end of this episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as we did. This brought me so much joy and fulfillment. It's only up from here. This season is far from over. I have some more guest speakers for the next episode. If you didn't join us on Green Room and you want to be a part of the conversation, please do not hesitate to tap in next time. Follow me on Green Room by searching my name, A-M-I-N-A space C-U-A-S-C-U-T. Also click the little notification bell on my profile to be notified when I do create a room. I will be live on Green Room every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time unless I'll tell you otherwise. Um, Speaking of which, instead of going on there this Saturday, we'll be recording on Monday, August 2nd. Aside from that, though, I'll be posting every Thursday and Sunday at 8 o'clock, so stay tuned for more. Follow the Instagram at Minas underscore Mike for stream updates, sneak peeks, and audience feedback. Um, Don't forget to tell your mama, your grandmama, your cat, your dog to stream Minas Mike on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you stay so the very end you will roll one peace and love bye y'all